Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we got a good one, and it is my old co-host, Michael Lombardi, because guess what, folks? In case you missed it, it's NFL Draft Week 2023. It's going to be in Kansas City. It's going to be a fun one. We got all types of things happening on the ringer.com.com.com where, you know, everyone's breaking down all the nuances of the draft. But I had to get my guy Lombardi on board to talk about, you know, what's really going to happen in the draft, why Bryce Young is the actual number one overall pick, the reasons behind that. Maybe talk about some of the, the narratives that are going to come out of the draft. Talk about some of the, you know, some of our favorite figures in the world of NFL and, and what they may do. Maybe like like a little Tom Brady talk for Kyle. That might be fun. Maybe give him a little bit of juice. I'm not saying he's going to come back to the Patriots, but he might come back to football. Who knows? We'll talk about that. Kyle's upset. Kyle's upset I said that. Uh, We'll talk about the Sixers. He loves the Sixers. Um, But before all that, I'm going to talk about college basketball. Um, We have not done that um, in depth in a minute. So going to just do a little update, talk about tampering, talk about transferring. These are the things that happened in college basketball now. So all good stuff. It's it's a jam-packed show. We got a lot of Lombardi. We got a lot of basketball talk. We got a lot of, you know, draft coverage and uh, even some Judge Judy at the end. So there you go. It's a jam-packed show. This is One Shining Podcast. Anything else, Kyle, before we get into this? I got a two-beer buzz, but first, <laughs> Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, welcome into One Shining Podcast. As always, I am your host, Tate Frazier. It is an afternoon, a Wednesday afternoon here in Los Angeles right now as I sit in the Spotify studio here in Los Angeles. We just recorded an NFL draft special with the great Ben Solak and Danny Kelly. Those guys were great. And uh, now we're going to do an episode of One Shining Podcast. And Kyle, a lot of people have been telling me 
this show is supposed to be about college basketball. Um, they are, they're getting upset. They're saying, why are you saving the college basketball talk for, for shout outs and closeouts? Why are you talking about the NBA? I even had some, uh, some real OSP truthers out there. They're saying that the ringer brass up top is making me talk about Victor Wimbanyama, um, <laughs> that I'm doing it like, uh, as if I am, I, I have Stockholm syndrome. I have ringer syndrome. They brought me back here. They've taken me out of my element of college basketball. And they and they throw me to the wolves a little bit. I just want to say I'm safe. Um, you know, you remember on Facebook when you would like say you're safe, right? When something would happen, it'd be like a, a <laughs> hurricane. Like I, I want to check in to the people. I'm safe. I'm okay. <laughs> um, I do like talking about Victor Wimbanyama, especially when we have our guy BJ Armstrong on. Um, he is scouting the guy in person in real life. He's been a GM. He's an agent. He knows what's going on. So that's a, that's why we had to talk about that. But again, I hear your concerns. Um, so I came into today's show and I said, you know what, let's do some college basketball talk. And before we get into the college basketball talk, first and foremost, it is NFL draft week. Like I said, <laughs> um, I know people are going to be upset about this, but we have Michael Lombardi on Lombardi. Obviously my old co-host on GM street. He knows everything that you need to know about the NFL draft. I wanted to do like a, a OSP NFL draft, you know, for the novice fan, for the general fan. Obviously, if you're going to get into the weeds, we got all the Ringer NFL coverage that you could ever imagine. You could go watch myself, Solak, and Danny Kelly on Through the Ringer. But me and Lombardi, we're going to chop it up. We're also going to talk about the Sixers. Um, if you're looking for a deep route percentages, this is not the place. This is not the place. The, Solak's the, got you covered. Yeah, the numbers the numbers never lie, and they will be uh, told by the the other experts here. But Lombardi and I, we're going to go off vibes. Um, and Lombardi's going to go off his own gut and what he knows about scouting teams. So it's going to be fun. We'll also talk about the Sixers. When I was hired here, uh, Bill Simmons called me on the phone you know, was asking like what I needed to do, was trying to map out what the show would look like. And one of the things he said he wanted me to do was have Michael Lombardi on the show and not just have him on the show, Kyle, have him on the show and talk about the Sixers, which uh, is something that he is very passionate about. Um, the Sixers have, you know, since the process started, Lombardi has been um, very adamant, very out there, very outspoken. He has fought back against the system. He said, I will not be processed. You will not process me. Um, and he is one of my favorite Sixers fans. Uh, I have another, uh, my production partner, Mike Goldstein, is also a Sixers Philadelphia diehard. So I have a lot of Philadelphia people in my life. Chris Ryan, we just saw outside, diehard Sixers fan. Um, a lot of those guys. Andy Greenwald. Don't Andy forget. Greenwald, diehard Sixers fan, right? Ben Solak told me today he was a, a Philadelphia Sixers fan, a Philadelphia fan at large. So a lot of Sixers fans, you know, in the ether here at the ringer, but none of them will tell you straight up like what Lombardi will do. And uh, I'm excited to hear all that. So Lombardi will come on. We'll talk about can the Sixers win the championship. If I had to guess and forecast, I would say Lombardi will say a resounding no way. Um, but that's why they play the games, right? So we'll we'll have fun with that. But again, let's talk about college basketball. Oh, good. Could this, we? Yeah, can okay, we? Okay, good. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked again. And again, I apologize to the haters. I know that, I know that you're happy about this. You like when I get sidetracked. Um, but there's a, a big conversation happening in the world of college basketball. It, there's two big conversations. I'll start with the first one. And everyone's talking about this because this is portal season. Um, it has become a verb. People want to go portaling. They want to go figure out uh, who, who fancies their favor, who wants to bring you into this new school. But there is a rule. And uh, the NCAA, um, they've, they've been pretty lenient uh, the past few years on second-time college basketball transfers. No more. Whoa. It, it seems like you do it once, 
That's all you can do. And they're going to come bring the hammer down. So right now, the real test case, right? We always have precedent that is set. We have two players at Oklahoma State. And shout out, shout out to C.J. Moore, friend of the program, writes for The Athletic, put this story together. There are two Oklahoma State players right now that are, they transferred to Oklahoma State. They're playing for Mike Boynton. And now they're saying, I want to do this again. I want to go Portland again. I had so much fun the first time. <laughs> Why not do it again? Um, and the NCAA, like I said, they, you know, they have been lenient on this. But last August, they put in new stricter rules um, to make sure that those waivers to play um, after a second transfer is going to be harder because of all the enticement, all the tampering, right? We talked about the tampering. There's so much tampering going on. Um, so now we got two players right now that are trying to transfer out um, of Oklahoma State. This would be their second transfer. The threat is that, hey, you might not be able to play without sitting out a year. And okay. that was that was always the conversation. And, I, you know, I've had people ask me because they've tuned out of college basketball. They moved on. They'll ask you, like, why does the transfer portal, why is it happening now, right? Why, why didn't this happen in the past? And obviously the simple answer is, well, because you had to sit out a year. And when you're playing, when you're racing against father time, and you're saying to yourself, I look a lot more promising as Jason Tatum, the 19-year-old, than Jason Tatum, the 20-year-old, right? You, you, you're going up against the clock. That's what Bill Simmons is going to say about you if you're if you're 20. 100%. <laughs> yeah. why, why do you think Bill Simmons liked me so much? He's like, Tate Frazier, the 22-year-old? If I was Tate Frazier, the 27-year-old, it doesn't have the same <laughs> ring like, to yeah, it. I don't think he, I don't think the, He's bright, like, I can't build the upside him in, isn't there. I can't build him into a star. I don't have enough time. <laughs> right? You're running against the clock in general in this life. And uh, so that's why guys don't want to transfer. But now that you can immediately be eligible, that has been the enticement, but it is, uh, they are not going to be passing out these waivers like they have been. It, it used to be like you went to Oprah and she's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. That was the NCAA with these waivers because at the end of the day, they had, I'm not going to say they had a complex, but they were just, they felt a little guilty, right? They, they had stopped the freedom of these players for so long. They're like, whatever you want to do, Patrick, go find yourself a new home. Here's a hardship waiver. Um, you know, and that's kind of how things Because the went. hardship waiver was the way to to bypass that year off. Right. You don't like, have to sit out a I year. I shouldn't be punished for this. Right. Because and, this happened to me. And if you transfer twice, you know, the NCAA, because we're in this new world, they're saying, don't worry about it. You know, you'll were, be fine. They were what? Taking excuses like, I just want to be a little closer to my mom. So instead of being right. a thousand miles away, I'm 500. Still can't get there in a jiffy, but it's like, that's eh, closer. Checks out. There you and, go. And teams are smart enough now with the COVID year. Like even this didn't happen because Singleton, I believe, uh, David Singleton of UCLA, I think he announced he was going to go play pro basketball. But Mick Cronin said before the Pac-12 tournament, we're going to file for a hardship waiver for him. So that would have been six years of David Singleton if he did come back. And speaking of hardship waivers, shout out to Xavier Johnson of Indiana because the NCAA did the right thing and they gave, they granted him a waiver, so he's going to be back. So that's exciting, um, obviously, for Indiana fans as they try to build out their roster for next season. But in general, the, the two-time transfer, the waivers that are involved, the politics that are going to be played behind the scenes to... It's almost like a weird way to give some sort of power back to the programs, right? Because all these coaches are complaining. They're saying, how can I how can I construct a roster with all this turnover and guys have these different windows with the transfer portal? Well, if, if you can only transfer once, you better get it right, right? So then you're going to really think about the decision. So the NCAA, I guess, in that sense, is trying to create some sort of semblance of sanity. So can I ask a question, though? Please. The, the, there was no like N NCAA spokesperson that comes out and is like, hey, we're tightening this up. It's just a story that comes out about these two guys 
who were like, oh, they're actually not going to get to go through with this. Is that basically because like nobody's came out and like it's not like Adam Silver saying like, hey, we're really tightening up on these types of fouls this year. There's going to be no more like lurching into guys and, and go to the free throw line on cheap fouls. Like they didn't say anything like that. This is just this is just like people are noticing these guys are getting approved. In August, when they put in the new restrictions, that was kind of like the that was the sign of obviously we are going to enforce this more than we have been. And, and it was a way to get some of the administrators and people like that that are getting on their ass about it to say, we're addressing this, right? What What is the NCAA's goal at all times? To kick the can. Kick the can <laughs> yes, that's right. down the road as long as they can and just take all the money they can in the interim. That is the goal for everybody and to keep the heat off them. And they're, they're doing their damnedest to do it. Obviously, you got the NIL situation. They were saying, are you guys happy now? Now people were saying, um, no, not really. You guys should probably put in some restrictions here and help us out a little bit. And they're usually worried about snacks and other things, right? That's, <laughs> that's usually what they have at the top of their list. And um, for right now, it seems like they're at least trying to address this problem. So it, it's something that we will keep an eye on. Obviously, that's what we do with this program. It's a college basketball show. But there, there is going to be tampering. There is going to be threatening um, there is going to be posturing, right? This is college basketball. This is what we've always dealt with. It's just same, but different, you know, for, for everyone at home that doesn't understand what's going on, it's the same, but different. But this time when the old transfer, you know, conversation used to happen on the first transfer, now it's going to happen on the second transfer, right? Okay. So that is all it is. They have kicked the can to not the first transfer, but the second transfer. So there's your update. All right, um, so it's like your phone a friend, sort of, and like in those one of those game shows. It's like you can you only get one, right? And it could save your life, or you know, okay, got it. I like it. Sometimes you know you call you call the wrong person, you know, right. like on your lifeline. Yeah, you, you think Guy's they, busy. Yeah, you think they know about the colonial war, and you're it's like, like, nah, dude, I just really love the Patriot. Right, Mel Gibbs is my guy. What are you talking right, about? <laughs> right, 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 a hundred percent. You're like, who wrote Common Sense? And they're like, I don't know. Ah, shit, I don't know. I don't know. Shout out to Patrick Henry. He's him. Uh, one of the earliest hymns of all time. Um, but yeah, there you go. Wasn't that uh, Thomas Paine? That was Thomas Paine. Who did uh, I say? You said Patrick Henry. No, God Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry wrote Common Sense. Look that um, up. Look I that think up. he was the great compromiser. I'm not sure. Now it's Henry Clay. Son of a bitch. Son of a, <laughs> son of a, uh, whatever Henry you want to, look, we're, we're, we're working through it right now. Again, this is college basketball talk at a premium right now as we get into the weeds of, uh, of the history. Thomas Paine. It was all that. Lad. Who was Patrick Henry? He was one of the f founding fathers. Don't oh, worry man. about it. All right. You already Take used all your phone this out. Friend. Take all this out. <laughs> <laughs> my, my phone of friend has already been lost. Um, all right. The other big part in college basketball, the other big conversation, again, this is test the water season. Um, there is a lot of players that are putting their names out there into the NBA draft, but keeping their college eligibility. This is what you do now. We call it testing the waters. We've talked about this before. One of the ones I find the most fascinating is our guy, Norchad Omir. Um, who, guy. We, who We just saw him, right? He, he's one of Kyle's guys. We just saw him go to the Final Four. Um, he was just a great force for Miami. I think he's going to have an opportunity at the NBA level. Some people think he's undersized. He's around 6'7", 6'8", so maybe they say he doesn't fit the mold there. If he comes back to Miami, Coach L, 
the hurricanes, the whole shebang. It's back on and popping. So as far as testing the waters, I'm excited to see what Norchad O'Meara does. I think there's a chance he comes back to Miami. If he does, like I said, I'm back on the bandwagon. I like the Hurricanes. We'll have Kevin Clark come on the show, explain to us why we should buy back into next year with the Hurricanes. Obviously, they go Elite Eight. They go Final Four. What's next? Title game. I think it's coming if Norchad O'Meara comes back. So he's one of the names that I wanted to circle. Another one that is... um, it's honestly fascinating because it kind of reminds me of what happened last year with Gonzaga and Drew Timmy. Um, Drew Timmy tested the waters. He put it out there that he was going to go through the pre-draft process. He was going to see where he ended up. And then ultimately, you know, he comes back and, uh, you know, becomes Gonzaga's all-time leading scorer, you know, goes to the Elite Eight, you know, gets NIL opportunities. The rest is history. Oscar Shibway won National Player of the Year. He then gets a $2 million, reportedly $2 million NIL, you know, package, whatever you want to call it. He had the the Lexington mayor meeting with him, gave him the key to the city. All the expectations were there. They said Oscar Sheeway is going to come back, win us a national championship. Um, unfortunately, that has not happened for Kentucky fans and for John Calipari. And now the most fascinating test the waters, you know, situation is that is Oscar Sheway, if he does test the waters and the waters say, no, you are go back to the mainland. If he goes back to land, is there still a place for him to land? Because I think Kentucky watches is, is happening. I too, think right? Dick watch is on. And I think Hunter Dickinson is going, depending on when he decides to get out of the pool. I don't know when he's going to get out of the pool, but when he gets out of the pool, there might be, there might be a situation where Hunter Dickinson is sitting in his beach chair and he's like, this is pretty comfortable. <laughs> Coach Calipari told me this is mine. I also have $2 million. So it's pretty sweet. So I, I think that one is really fascinating. And then if he does come back and his seat is taken, where does Oscar Sheboy go? Where does a former national player of the year that has fallen a bit out of favor? There's been some questions about, you know, how he handles double teams. Is he improving as a player? Um, you know, and, and by people questioning his double teams, that's me. That, that, that's that been the question. I've been the question maker in that sense, but I want to see where he ends up and where he falls. And um, if Kentucky doesn't have a spot for him, I think that is, uh, you talk about drama. That is going to be some drama. And I think that might, you know, create a little chip on his shoulder. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. Another guy that's testing the waters right now put out the most vague video, Kyle, I've ever seen. He He said decision, period. And then it was a video. He's in the gym. He walks into the gym. He shoots a free throw. And then the video ends. And he had an Arkansas pullover on. So I guess, in a sense, some people have read between the lines saying he's going to come back to Arkansas. It came out officially. Jordan Walsh is who who we're talking about. Um, I'm a big fan of Jordan Walsh's game. Great freshman season. He's a winning player. Um, Got a lot of comparisons. A lot of shades of Shane Battier from him. Um, which is a compliment to some, a gross uh, misnomer to many. Um, but I like Jordan Walsh's game. I think he was really important to this Arkansas team. Obviously got the big upset over Kansas. If he comes back to Arkansas, again, Arkansas has about 50 players coming in from the transfer portal. Um, you know, I mean, Tremont Mark from Houston is probably the biggest name in that group. But you have Trevon Brazil, who got hurt um, back in December. He comes back. I think Arkansas could be a title contending team if Walsh comes back. So does Lombardi. So does Lombardi, right? So I I think that they're a top 10 team. Some would say borderline top 10 team. I think Jordan Walsh is going to take that leap. 
um, if he were to come back to Arkansas. So he's one of those guys that, you know, you're, you're testing the water, but also at the same time, maybe, maybe get out of that pool and come back to Arkansas. What's the goal with these videos? Cause I mean, we've been talking about them for years and never have like you or you and Mark or anybody ever been like, you ever seen that kid from uh, Villanova's video? That was a great video. It was always just like, my God, did you see that thing? What's the point? Like, what do you think the goal is with them? Is it just like, I like to have videos of me for my social media or are they like, this is going to get the people going? Cause it seems like it's just going to stress people out. Right? Like if you put your name in the, in, if you're testing the waters, your name's on a list somewhere, right? It doesn't need to be in the form of like a video. That's like, <laughs> like, like a coin flip. Do I stay coin flip? Do I go? If the shot goes in, I'll stay like, I don't know. Like, I, I just never understand what the, what the, what the end goal is for a guy. I was like, yeah, let's put that out. Yeah, I think the end goal is to look cool. All right. uh, as with most things in this life, right? A lot of people do a lot of things to quote unquote look cool. And a lot of times that backfires. Like an and, announcement video I could see. Right. But not a like, will I, won't I? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my favorite is, and Titus and I used to talk about this, the ones where it's like, they have three options where it's like, I'm either going to put my name in the transfer portal, I'm going to go to the NBA, or I'm going to stay here. <laughs> and that's the announcement. It's like, are, those are literally the... Those are like, all your options, right? It's like if a basketball player was standing on a court and is like, I'm either going to dribble, pass, or shoot. And it's <laughs> right. like, yeah, the, yes, I think those are your three options. I mean, I think those are the only things that you can theoretically do. Yeah, unless you're moment. calling a timeout. I don't really know what else Right. I guess you're right, Kyle. I guess <laughs> you, you could call a timeout. And maybe that's what it is. They're taking a timeout. They're letting us know that they're going to get in the right headspace and then they're going to make a decision, which I'm fine with that. I really am fine with that. Um, but yeah, those are the, those are the big, uh, the two big names to me that are, that are testing the waters that I think one, the Sheboy domino, what that looks like, the drama of that. And then Jordan Walsh, if he does come back, I think that's amazing. Uh, final college basketball note. Um, Caden Shedrick or Kadeen Shedrick. I've seen him reported. Oh, here we go. I love yeah, when we I, don't know. I, I love when we don't know. I call him Caden, Caden Shedrick. Obviously was at Virginia rim protector. Um, he decides to go to Texas, transfer to Texas. He was one of the biggest, uh, you know, conversation points for a lot of teams as they tried to shore up their front court. Duke was a team that was in the mix. A lot of people, you know, because of last year, the Duke Virginia game, they have their little rivalry going on right now. That would have been a little spicy. I would have liked that. Um, but hey, he decides to go to Texas. Shout out to Rodney Terry, um, Dassue, and Shedrick. I think they're going to be a nice duo in the front court. I think Texas is going to be a team to to deal with. So I like the move overall for Shedrick. I think he should have got more playing time at Virginia. But I also understand um, if you're Tony Bennett and you have a guy on your team that's named after you, you should play him. I mean, that's just a fact, Kyle. If there's someone on your team that his dad named his kid after you and he plays for you. He's going to get some more PT. Sometimes you got to play the favoritism game. And it's like, he actually put in the legwork here. He was named after me. So play Ben Vanderplas. That's a um, long game. That's a long game. And I genius. think you deserve, to, you deserve to score if you're playing the long game. It's genius. In fact, uh, speaking of long games, um, and maybe I should have sh saved this for shout outs, but I feel like it's college basketball adjacent. Shout out to JJ Redick. Um, he put out this video with his kid and uh, the son's name is Knox. Seems like a really cool kid. He has a three-point contest against Josh Hart, who is <laughs> who is taking over America's heart right now um, as he stars for the New York Knicks. And Knox, his son, beats him in the three-point contest. And then Duke Basketball was tweeting, like, sign us up. You talk about putting in the legwork early. Shout out to J.J. Redick. He just got his kid a scholarship. This, this kid's like eight years old. He's got a scholarship to Duke. I mean, that is, I mean, look, we talk about nepotism, but sometimes you got to use your influence for yourself. Um, 
So I respect that. Shout out to JJ Redick. Shout out to Duke. They got a nice shooting guard for the class of 20, 2033, I believe is what he said. So that's good. Um, one last note and our shout out to our guy, Kyle, man, he sent us this, uh, Jim Laranega. I was going to add a few didn't good. Yeah. Jim Laranega. Um, he's upset, um, <laughs> as he should be because, and we're all a little, we're all a little confused. These are new times, new days. The, the NIL valuation is, is always going to be something that's questioned. Right. But they have these valuation tools and, um, Basically, to, to put it into layman's terms, you know, we can get into the nuance of it, but these valuations say something like, for example, Bronny James, NIL valuation, $7.2 It's kind of like your net worth, right? You, right? you Google your net worth. But it says Jack Black's worth like $12 million. It's like, that can't be right. <laughs> I can't, or maybe it is. And, and if it is, he's got a terrible agent. Like, we got to <laughs> right. help Jack Black. No wonder right. he's in The Mandalorian. He's trying to get paid. Like, yeah. let this man get All his right. money. Right. Um, but yeah, so you look at your net worth. That doesn't mean that, you know, Diddy has $150 million in the bank. That means that you add it all up, all the assets. I guess it equates to $150 million, But it's not like his bank account has that number in it, right? right? So same thing with the NIL valuation tools, you see, um, you know, in Miami was the team that a lot of people talked about, right? Their backcourt apparently was the valuation on their backcourt was $1.4 million, right? Um, that's what Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, Pack was apparently paid 750000 I think it went up to 800000 to come to Miami. Isaiah Wong said, that's really cool to hear. I'm excited to play with him. Also, I would like that. I would <laughs> right. like that. And if you don't give me that, I will leave. Yeah. And then he apparently got what he deserved. Um, and in general, right, that was the report. That's what we talked about. I talked about them being the NIL team. Well, Larinaga um, basically came out and said that, you know, all this stuff is a little ridiculous. It's all very much inflated. And now you got situations where... I mean, you're meeting with guys and they're coming with a number and they're saying my valuation, <laughs> put it right down on the yeah, table right. there. <laughs> like, and it, and it used to be a bad game, right? It used to be a little bit like wink, wink. The the winks are gone, Kyle. Right. Um, and now they're coming with deal terms. Uh, we're counting the money before we're in the room. Yeah. Right. Larry Nega said, this is uh this is a problem. These valuation tools are, are causing more problems um, than anything. And nobody, basically the whole thesis, nobody knows what's real in the NIL world. Ourselves, you know, included. The coaches don't know. The players don't know. Apparently, the only people that do know are the bag men in between. They, they are the ones giving the numbers. They are the ones saying this or that, and it should be 250 or maybe it should be seven. Whatever it is, whatever the numbers are, they're running the numbers. It is chaos. We talked about it being the wild, 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 wild west. It has never been more wild, wild west uh, than right now. Um, I know you're a Will Smith fan, so this Big is time. literally, this is the movie right now. We are in the movie. Um, we got the sunglasses on. What was the, what was the name of that video? Uh, what was the, what was the lead single of that? Bow, wow, wow. Yippee, yo, yippee, yay. Was that, was that wild, wild west? Was that, was no, that, that was wild, wild west. We'll go into the wild, wild <laughs> west. <laughs> Come on. God, man. What a time. Well, we're, we're going to the wild, wild west in college basketball. That's your college basketball update. Uh, right there. And here we go. We got our guy, Michael Lombardi. We're going to talk about the NFL draft and the Philadelphia 76ers and whatever else we want to. Coming up now, our guy, Michael Lombardi. All right. Joining us now, my old co-host on GM Street, one of my favorite people. I would call him not only a confidant, but a mentor in this world of media. He is uh, someone that has helped me out along the way. And uh, we've already had him on the show once. So you already know who he is. His name is Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, thanks for coming on the show, man. 
Great. Great to be here, Tate Frazier. Who's winning the transfer portal in college basketball? Give me that answer. You already know the answer. He's been winning it since it started. His name is Eric Musselman, a.k.a. the <laughs> Must Bus. I mean, I've never seen a guy. I mean, he, he's got like 84 guys that are trying to go to Arkansas. He he gets the like. He's like an SEC baseball coach, Lombardi, where he like brings in 40 guys and he cuts it down to 15. And it's, it's all his choosing. Hey, like, I hope he wins it all. I mean, I hope this year with taking all the young players has proven that maybe that's not quite the thing to do. It's hard to win the NC2A tournament with a bunch of young guys. Yeah, especially now when it's like every, the average age is 24, right? I mean, you, you can't right. take an 18. Yes, it's great for the NBA guys, right, to come and the, the scouts come to your games and all that sort of stuff. But you know, like I know, if you're in an Arkansas, they don't care if the scouts are there to watch a certain player. They want to win games and they want to go to the yeah. Elite Eight. They want to go to the Final Four. So uh, our guy Must is figuring it out. And, you know, he kind of knew before everybody else that you got to get transfers in. I mean, even at Nevada, he was doing that. So... He, he got it figured out. Um, we're going to talk about the NFL draft because I know that that's the conversation point. I want to get into some of the big picture storylines there. I want to guess the narratives a little bit. I want to see who needs to go on the lamb or might need to go on the lamb after we get done. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk to you first and foremost because I'm looking at the NBA playoffs and I know you're an NBA guy. You're a basketball yeah. guy. You know what's going on. Um, you're a Sixers fan as well. The East seems open to me, Lombardi. Yeah. And and I start, you know, trying to to work my brain a little bit and I and I see the Bucks and they're struggling. They're they're down three one. I see the Boston Celtics kind of open the door up for Trey Young and the and the Hawks. And then I look at the Sixers. They sweep. They got a coach who's won before. They got, if not the best player, one of the best players in basketball win healthy. What do you see from the Sixers? And, and am I crazy to think that they maybe could go and win a championship this year? Well, I never think they could win a championship. I mean, I never think that Embiid could stay healthy. Right. And so I'm not surprised he might have to wear a brace and he's got an MCL sprain. But if there's ever the year, if there's ever the year, right? I mean, Boston blowing that lead in the fourth quarter kind of maybe makes you think that do they have the right coach in place? Maybe they miss their head. Maybe they miss, I can't say his name. I'll butcher it if I try. Ime Udoka. Adoka. Yeah, I mean, I haven't butchered it there. So, like, <laughs> I mean, like, it, you know, it's like, the, to me, you can't lose that game. You can't lose that game against the Hawks and turn the ball over. They look sloppy. You know, they didn't look like in rhythm. And and so, and then they, you know, how do you not double Trey Young on the last play of the game? Right. I mean, like, I would have had two guys on him and made him, you know, like, I wouldn't care, you know. But anyway, so they're vulnerable. And then Milwaukee really looks vulnerable. I mean, Jimmy Butler who obviously we decided to keep Tobias Harris and, you know, and Ben Simmons over. I'm not that I'm bitter about that, but, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he's come out lights out. I mean, can Milwaukee win three in a row? Can Giannis stay healthy? I mean, if there's ever a year that sets up for Philadelphia, this is their moment. Yeah. I still remember last year, maybe I think it was last year, Jimmy Butler walking into, uh, into the locker room and he's saying Tobias Harris over me. Right. Yeah. That was the big clip that came out. And like you said, that they decided back then the Sixers, they were trying to preserve the the Ben Simmons pick and make sure that that, you know, that that looked right and correct. And then Tobias was a guy who's like almost like a company man. Right. And he deserved the max by all accounts. And they made that decision. But I wanted to ask you, like in a sliding doors world. And I think, you know, obviously you've been a GM. You know how this works with roster construction and things like that. How much would you be kicking yourself seeing a situation where Jimmy looks like the perfect 1B to a 1A and Embiid, or maybe he's the 1A and Embiid is the 1B. 
Remember when they when they made the run at Toronto, the point guard on that team was Jimmy. Right. I mean, the, the, basically, Brett Brown said, OK, we're not playing this Ben Simmons no shoot game. We'll make Butler bring the ball up and we're going to win games like that. And I mean, let's face it, the the uh, the uh, the era of Elton Brand as the general manager could go down as one of the worst eras in 76 or history. I mean, along with Colangelo era. I mean, just think about all the mistakes they made. I know there, there's people out there that love the process, but you start to add up the decision making that is in this organization over this time, whether it's to tra- draft Michael Carter Williams and not draft Giannis. Okay. Well, you say, well, that's a that's a second guess. Well, the whole process was built on let's take flyer, let's take flyers on the on the highest ceiling of guys and see what right. happens, right? And yeah. we're not worried about winning next year, so why not take Giannis, right? And then we trade Drew Holiday for Nolan Stowell. And then we come back with Okafer, you know, and then we we invest in Simmons. And I was a huge Simmons guy, but the guy refused to work on his game. And then we trade, you know, we trade Michael Bridges for Zaire Smith. I mean, like, it's just one calamity after another. It's somewhat remarkable that they're in this position. It really is. Yeah, and I think so, that's that's the craziest part to me, just as an innocent bystander in the whole thing. It's like, Everything you listed right there, you would feel like one of those would be the the decision that throws you off the rails where you're not going to have a chance to win a championship. I mean, even Embiid didn't play his first three years, right? I mean, that that I was mean, the, and, and I didn't even mention to you <laughs> that we picked Mikel Fultz over Jason Tatum, that we traded assets to go get Fultz. Right. Like, we traded a first-round pick to go get Fultz. Like, like it's amazing. And, and some of the most bizarre moves of all time. And and not only did then, then we sign Al Horford to, to this contract and get rid of him, have to trade a one to get rid of him. Like, like you got to wonder, like, what is going on? But this is their year. If they can't do it this year, I said this, Tate Frazier, before the NBA started, I kept saying this on Beeson. If Miami's the sixth seed, they would have beaten Philly as the three seed. Mm. And everybody laughed at me. But I'm telling you, they would have beaten them. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, it, it's a scary. And if Miami wins against Milwaukee, they'll beat Philly if Philly gets beats Boston. Yeah, that's that's what scares me in general about Miami because they kind of have. It's really hard to scout that team, and they kind of have this moxie about them where it feels like they know something that you don't know. And I remember I was talking to to BJ uh, Armstrong years ago about why does a guy like LeBron go to Miami, right? Why does Kevin Durant go to the Warriors? Why, you know, why do these guys make these decision decisions? And he said it's because they're trying to look for that answer, right? They're trying to look for that secret. They're trying to figure out what the recipe is to win, right? Because they've never been. They have the talent to do it, sure, but they don't know what the actual recipe looks like. And there's still a few places in the league where a Pat Riley knows, a Jerry West knows, right? The the Golden State Warriors, that infrastructure with Bob Myers, right? They seem to know. But there's only a certain few places where they they seem like they got it figured out and they have the answer. And that's what I wonder with Philadelphia because Doc Rivers seemingly has an answer. I don't know if it's the answer, but he has an answer of sorts. So how do you feel about Doc Rivers with this group? I mean, Doc is, is, uh, you know, when you're a young team, you don't want Doc as your coach. He, <laughs> yeah. He's what Parcells would call progress stoppers. Like, he's going to play some Look at Maxie, right? Like, Ma- Maxie should be a star. Maxie didn't play as a rookie. He wouldn't play him, you know? And then, then he blamed not playing Paul Reed on Harden because Harden felt more comfortable with, with Harrell. And yet, when he played Reed in, that last, in the second half of the Nets game, that's how they kind of won it. I mean... I don't have any faith. I mean, let's see, today's Wednesday. The the earliest I think they could play is Monday. I would say Doc's probably going to play four rounds of golf in the next five days. 
I don't blame him. I mean, I would too, Lombardi. I mean, that, that sounds like a nice way to spend your time. Maybe not when, you know, your job, not, not that he's on the hot seat, but the, the seat's a little hotter than expected. And if the Philadelphia fans see the C's part, right, where there is a path to a title and you don't execute in the one year it was right there, I feel like the heads will roll at that point. This is the year. I mean, this is the moment because if they don't get there now, when are they going to get there? Mm. Yeah, I you hope know, they get there. When when will they get there? So I, I think it's their moment. I mean, and the I have no faith that they're going to get there. I have no faith in Doc. I have no faith in Embiid staying healthy. I have no faith. I mean, and and people say, well, aren't you a fan? No, I'm a realistic fan. You know, <laughs> the one thing about the team that I don't like, I've never, I've not liked it since the process is I've never felt like they have mental toughness. Like I've never felt like the team was built on mental toughness. Whereas I think the Knicks have mental toughness. I think, I think Boston has mental toughness. I think Milwaukee, and I know Miami has mental toughness. Mm. So anyway, that's my, that's my take. I have no, I have no hopes on it. Yeah, if you had to pick one team right now, I mean, not even cons- not just the East, but just in general, what's one team you've seen in the playoffs that you say? Because I've seen a lot of people talk about this. There's no team that looks like the title team right now, and kind of Golden State grew into that last season, so it's not like it's yeah. anything new. But is there one team that you're like that team looks like a title team to me right now? I mean, to me, it was Phoenix in the second half yesterday when Booker's shooting lights out. I mean, I can remember sitting at, in Georgia. Belichick and I got to Georgia, University of Georgia. They were having a pro day the next day. And we drove and we told the secretary, we need a hotel in Athens. And so she calls us back. We're driving from Auburn up there. Like she said, I can't find your room. I'm like, what are you talking about? I can't find a room in Athens. She's like, oh, I can't find a room. Eventually, she got us a room at this hotel. And we get there and we see all these Kentucky people there. <laughs> Oh, that George is playing Kentucky. So Bill calls Mark Rick, and we end up getting two seats at the game. He says, you want to go to the game? Yeah, we'll go. It's 9.30 start. We both looked at each other like, I don't know if we can stay up that late, but let's go. <laughs> so we go. Barkley's there. Everybody. So we're all kind of hanging out together. And Booker's on the court. And I'm like, man, this guy. Like, And then I looked him up on my phone, Meridian, Mississippi, best player in the state of Michigan. Like, and from that moment, I've like followed him. Like and when he went in the first round, I was like, man, he did. He was like coming off the bench for Kentucky. Remember? Yeah. 13th you know? pick. Yeah. And then he's the 13th pick in the draft. And I mean, last night it was like, holy shit. You know, that guy is incredible. Not that I'm telling anybody anything new, but that, that to me has always been one of my, he's been one of my favorite players since then. Yeah. And a lot of people uh, in the world of basketball, you know, we want to nitpick with certain guys, but I, I have a tendency to have a, a little preferential treatment when it comes to the American players, especially as the game is more international, right? I mean, the stars of the game are all international. Devin Booker is the best shooting guard in basketball, and he happens to be American. And I yeah. like Donovan Mitchell right behind him, right? So the two top shooting guards in the NBA are are American guys. And then you got, you know, obviously your John ja Morant, and you hope a guy like Zion comes up. But you know, Anthony Davis is, you know, not necessarily well, I mean, the same Zion guy. Hamstring. I mean, my Lord, Tate Frazier. I don't know, you know, that hamstring. I've never seen a player out four months with a hamstring in the history of the world, you know, you know, so. I've never seen a guy have to ramp up this much, Lombardi. I don't even, I didn't even know what ramping up was until Zion. I mean, did you, I mean, everybody was complaining about the dunk. I don't think he could have played. Like, that's the, what worries me about the 76ers. The longer this goes where Embiid really can't get any conditioning in, What's he going to look like in the first game against Boston if they play Boston in his conditioning? Mm. 
because when you watched him against the Nets in the first game, excuse me, yeah, against the Nets, his conditioning wasn't very good. Yeah, and I honestly, I think they should hire a coach for Embiid that just works on him falling, right? If he's going to fall that much, teach him how to fall. That was like one of the things when I when we first started playing like football as a kid, like our coach was like, you got to learn how to fall properly, right? To, to learn how to land and not hurt yourself. And I feel like he and John Moran could, could learn something from a coach like that. I mean, I remember we played uh, Jacksonville and Tony Baselli was the left tackle and, and I saw him in pregame warm up. And then I saw him come in the game after the game and his uniform was white in pregame and it was white. He wasn't on the ground like one play. <laughs> and meanwhile, Embiid, the, I, I, my buddy Bill Berman and I, we, we watched the Sixer games and we set the number on how many times he's going to be on the floor. Usually we're around four, right? <laughs> around four. But he goes over it so goddamn quick. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I uh, we could talk about the Sixers all day long, but I, I will say I am pulling for them from a distance. I have no I have no horse in the race. I just as I watch them, I think about you every single time, especially when when James Harden decides not to run back on defense and things like that. I'm like, I wish I could see Lombardi's face right now. Oh, man. Uh, or, or when Embiid just goes, shoots threes and never gets in the low post. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what a world we live in. All right, let's pivot. Let's talk about the NFL draft. That's where you have your expertise. Um, not that you're not the, you know, the expert on the Sixers. I needed that. I needed that update in my life. But there's a lot of conversation this week, a lot of smoke screens, a lot of narratives, right? So I wanted to play. We, we had an old game, Guess the Narratives. Um, that we used to play back on GM Street. So there's a lot of narratives that are, that are going to be out there this week. Um, one of the things, before we get into the narratives themselves, I want to talk about a literal situation, which is uh, about a month ago, a lot of the NFL experts that are out there were saying C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud. He's number one. Um, we'll see about Bryce Young. And at one point, I think Bryce Young was plus 230, plus 250, if you could find him in that number. I remember why, I, you know, I keep up with your clips. I love GM Shuffle. So I'm, I'm listening to you, and you keep saying, this is, the value here is insane. I mean, just Bryce Young is going to be the pick. If you think otherwise, you're insane. Um, and now he's at minus 1,400. You know, it seems pretty much inevitable he's the number one pick. A lot of people are talking about the five quarterbacks that could go in the first round. Can you tell me why this is actually just a one quarterback draft, in your opinion? Well, because, I mean, in Bryce Young at 5'10 is worrisome because of height, but that's it. And if Bryce Young were six feet two, he, the Bears would have never traded the pick. I mean, he's everything you want in a starting quarterback. He's got great leadership. He's got that athletic memory that's hard to find, where he can come off the court and remember everything that happened on the field, right? I mean, I tell this story all the time about Bill Russell's wife buys him this uh, YouTube clip of him playing against uh, when he was at the University of San Francisco with, for the Dons. And they watched it to celebrate his birthday. And the game was played in the 50s. And, and Russell went through every single play like it was yesterday. Like he had a memory that's incredible. Great players have that memory. Jordan has it. Peyton Manning, Brady. You listen to Brady and Belichick on that podcast. Brady talks, Belichick talks about when Brady came to the sideline, what he saw and his recall of what he saw, that's Bryce Young. That's a rare, rare commodity to have. And to me, when you watch his tape, his arm strength combined with his instincts, combined with that memory, just make him an elite player. Are you worried about his size at 5'10"? Sure. But he's got that instinct to avoid contact. He's got that instinct to throw it before he gets hit. He's almost got eyes behind the back of his head. So... I, I'm going to roll with it. You know, I know there's no precedent behind it, but I think the kid was born to play quarterback. His mama lifted him from the crib. He was a quarterback. There's yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and, and it feels like, 
every single interview I've seen when people talk about him, whether it's coaches or former players that played with him or whatever, they all kind of have that same, you know, you, you can say this, you can nitpick, but he's kind of just, he's got it. Whatever it is, Bryce Young has it. He has it, you know, and and I don't think the other four do. I mean, uh, Hooker to me is is kind of because of his age and his knee is a little bit of a concern. I mean, the other four, other three don't. I mean, Will Levis, no one can answer the fundamental question. Why did he leave Penn State? How did Sean Clifford beat him out? Mm. Like, I, I mean, that worries that worries me. You know, why did it take, you know, you and I were doing GM Shuffle, GM Street, and we were talking about Mitchell Trubisky. You know, I mean, like, he couldn't start for your alma mater for three years. Why? Mm-hmm. Right. We know now we know why. So <laughs> I, I think to me, I'm worried about that, that no one answers the Sean Clifford thing. And then, he, you know, games, he just doesn't make plays in Tennessee. You know, you watch Vanderbilt he throws for less than 100 yards against Vanderbilt. Come on now. I mean, I'm taking this guy, that, you know, and then C.J. Stroud. I mean, he does some good things, got a lot of good receivers around him, got a lot of good offensive linemen around him. A lot of easy throws when you watch the tape. A lot of bubbles, easy seam routes, guys wide ass open. So, you know, and then Richardson, to me, I, I I mean, I love the athlete. I just don't love the player. At some point, you got to love the player, right? Because mm-hmm. the athlete doesn't get you anywhere. I mean, everybody talks about Justin Fields being, oh, my God, it's Justin Fields. He's won less games than Davis Mills has won. And I wanted to ask you about that because that's another big topic of conversation, right? It seems like. Everyone has, I mean, for lack of a better word, I mean, they've just thrown, uh, you know, Davis Mills to the side. They're saying that the Texans need a quarterback. They, you, you know, you say it's a one quarterback draft, and I'm going to take your word for it because I agree with that. But then there seems to be this whole conversation of, well, the Texans have to take a quarterback, right? They, right. they have to do this because there's such a quarterback-rich draft, which seems like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth there. Um, do you think there's any world in which they do take a quarterback? Do they get talked into it? I mean, you never can underestimate the power of an owner, right? I mean, if the owner says we're taking the quarterback, we're taking the quarterback. Does it make sense to me? No. Hmm. Here's what you don't want to do, Tate Frazier. You don't want to take a position like a quarterback and still need it. Like. Like, I'm not against that. I love, I said on my pod, I thought Anthony Richardson could win the Heisman. But when you draft Anthony Richardson, he's standing next to you and me. He's not playing next year. You know, he needs a year to get a year away. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how does that solve your problem? Yeah, well, put him in. We'll, 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 we'll make the scheme real simple. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I've heard that rhetoric before. It, that don't work, right? So, like I, I don't I, I use a grading system and the way I grade the players is what I see, not what I hear. And I, I can't grade any one of these three guys high enough to say they're first round picks. I mean, Stroud does some things you like, especially the Georgia game. But then, you know, w- watch him in watch him in some other games, you know, watch the Michigan tape. Mm. You like him in that tape? You know, I mean, so I, I just think to me, young, I don't know of a game you you play, you watch on Bryce Young where he's not great. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Bryce Young, the number two pick is seemingly will be Will Anderson. Most people expect out of Alabama. So this will be the first time since 2000 that teammates go back to back one and two. I thought that was a pretty interesting note there that that could actually happen. And then I wanted to to go back to the 2000 draft with you because I thought I was looking at it and it's, it's such a fascinating draft. We have a place kicker, right? That goes in the first round for the first time since 1966. Janikowski goes in the first round. We got Tom Brady 
who goes at 199, right? And and is, you know, supposed to be a nobody in this draft. Um, where were you in the 2000 draft? And, and what do you remember from that draft? Because I'm sure there's some fun stories because Janikowski alone makes it fun. Well, you know, that was an interesting draft because that year we'd sign uh, Michael Husted to be our kicker. Nice. Tampa, Michael Husted. And he couldn't literally, he kicked like... If the goalposts were 80 yards wide, he wasn't making a kick. <laughs> it was a disaster all year. <laughs> and, you know, it was, a, and we just hung on to him because the guy who signed him at the time, the punter, just, you know, w- was convinced he knew kickers because he punted in college and he didn't know a thing about football <laughs> or kickers. So we hung on to him. And finally, we get Joe Nedney in there. And Joe Nedney, Basically, the last game of the year, we win the last game of the year. We keep Kansas City out of the playoffs. Joe Nettie makes a 53-yarder to win the game. And so we think we have our kicker. But then Al sees this kicker who's generational in terms of leg strength and power. We all thought we were going to draft Todd Heap in the first round, the Mm. tight end from Arizona State. You know, we needed a tight end. He kind of fit the West Coast offense. It was perfect. But – we pivoted and went to Janikowski and, you know, and that's usually what happens at the Raider, you know, and then we had Nendy on the team and look, I think Sebastian proved to be a great pick, but you know, not a great pick. He proved to be a good player, but it was to be, you know, look, these kickers are important. I don't know if you can give up a one for them. Certainly Justin Tucker's worth a one, but Janikowski wasn't as reliable as Justin Tucker, especially from distance. You know, but that's what I remember. I thought we were picking Todd Heat. <laughs> that's just a, it was just a fascinating draft in general. I mean, LeVar Arrington was the number two pick, but I think, you know, in our brains, we probably, you know, go back and say he was the number one pick. But uh, yeah, it was fascinating just, just in general. And you mentioned the Raiders. I want to talk about the Raiders because... Uh, first and foremost, I mean, when we were doing GM Street, I felt like I was by by proxy a Raiders fan. You know what I mean? I, I was I was pulling for the Raiders. I had a little bit of vested interest. Kyle, our producer here, is a is a is a Patriots fan. He's also a Jimmy G fan. Um, what is there any world in which the Raiders make a move for a quarterback, or is our guy Jimmy G safe? Because I want Jimmy G to have his moment, Lombardi. I think he will have his moment. You know, I think the Raiders would like to have a young quarterback on their team. There's no denying that. Will it come from the strap? I'm not sure of that. You know, I don't think that. I think, look, the Raiders are devoid of talent. You don't go through the Gruden Mayock era, which you've gone through, which would rival the Elton Brand era. In Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, and 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 have like you got no you got no players from their drafts. You got Colton Miller and Josh Jacobs, right? I mean, cousin Kyle knows. I mean, like, look, you know, the, the, this is hard. You got a lot of holes. You traded players. You traded Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, and you got nothing back for them. Mm. And so now Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, they're trying to replenish that. They need players. They could take an offensive tackle. They could take a defensive lineman. They could take a corner. They need a starter. Whoever they pick, he's got to be a starter. I don't think they have and since they signed Jimmy G. You know, if Jimmy can stay healthy, that's a big if. We're always worried about that because Jimmy wins games. I mean, let's face it. Besides Brock Purdy, there was no other quarterback that Kyle put on the field that could win games, whether it was Kurt Bether, whether it was Nick Mullins, whether it was Brian Hoyer, whomever he had in there. The only guy that could win games was Garoppolo until Purdy. Yeah, there's another guy that wasn't able to win games, which I think could be a guy who could get traded potentially on draft night, Trey Lance. 
I've seen some rumblings that, you know, some front offices like Trey Lance. I, I saw the Titans and the Texans being rumored. There's also com- some questions about Lamar Jackson. Maybe he's in the mix as someone that makes a move. Is there some, uh, you know, quarterback or a team that is quarterback hungry that you think does do something drastic on draft night this year? Or is this a lot of uh, conversation, smoke screens, whatever you want to call it? I think Hopkins, the receiver, gets traded. I'm not sure about Lance. Lynch came out and said, I think Lynch listens to GM Shuffle because he came out and said that we're not getting any calls and it's not like we have a 1-800 number offering for Trey Lance. And that was the line that I used in the Shuffle. Like, it seems like they had a 1-800 number out there. They're trying to they're trying to get business drummed up, you know? And I don't know, how do you trade for Trey Lance? Here's the problem. Rand Carthon was in San Francisco. He's the GM in Tennessee. D'Amico Ryans was the defense coordinator in San Francisco. He's in Houston. If neither one of those teams are actively going after Trey Lance and they both need quarterbacks, that tells you a lot to know about Trey Lance. That tells you a lot to know. I mean, the poor kid, Trey Lance, I feel bad for him. He hasn't played. I mean, this kid hasn't played in three years. I mean, he didn't play his senior year in high school and he hasn't played in the pros. Yeah, how could, how could he be getting better at this point? How right. could he be getting better? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, everybody says, well, you got to play Anthony Richardson right away or else he's not going to be good. No, you you can't play him right away. So I, I don't see that one. Uh, Lamar won. First of all, it's important to note you can't trade a player who's not under contract. So Lamar would have to agree to a contract, sign it, and then they could trade him. Or he could just sign his tender. They could trade his tender and then they could redo the contract. But unless that happens, that's a lot of hurdles to jump over when you really don't have an agent to jump with you, you need somebody that, that knows how to do this. And Mama Jackson, I'm not sure she does. In fairness to, to I mean, Lamar's, I think not having an agent cost him his draft status, and I think it's hurting him now. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not a situation like I don't know if you've seen the new movie Air, but you know Dolores Jordan is played by Viola Davis, and she makes this great deal that you know anything that has Jordan on it, right? They get residual pay, and I feel like Lamar might be living in that world where he thinks you know Mama Jackson's going to do the same thing as Mama Jordan, but you know you know how this works. I mean, one of the greatest lines that has always stuck with me just about the NFL and how business is handled. You said to me that head coaches aren't selected; they're elected, right? And I feel like, you know, it's going to go through the business model of the NFL. So if they don't think that you have a structure in place and you don't match the business on their side, they're not going to play with you, right? They're not, they're not going to even engage in those conversations. And it feels like, unfortunately for Lamar, he's kind of outside of the conversation and everything that he's floating, right, is just being floated by him, you know, or by his people, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And then he doesn't even know what the market value is, right, from these other teams because he's the, he doesn't have an agent working the phones for him. He doesn't, and he doesn't win the PR battle either because he doesn't have anybody helping him with the PR. You know, the Ravens are good at PR. They're the, the, You need to battle them on a PR thing. On a side note on the air, so Ben Affleck went down to meet Michael Jordan to tell him about the movie. And I love this story. And Michael Jordan said, there's two things that are going to have to happen in this movie for me to give any kind of blessing. I don't know if he actually gave an official blessing, but he said, Viola Davis, my mother's got to be in the movie and Viola Davis has got a player. And George Raveling has to be in the movie. Mm. And George Raveling and I started the Daily Coach together along with a couple other guys. And to me, that was a great honor for Coach Rav because at the end of the day, I know Sonny Vaccaro gets a lot of credit but Michael Jordan will tell you George Raveling signed him to Nike. Yeah, absolutely. And Coach Raveling will tell you, and uh, as you and I know, Coach Raveling is one of those people that has been around 
some of the most, you know, monumental moments in not only basketball history, but American history um, yes. as they had, you know, in the movie, right? He talks about hearing the I have a dream speech and being given that speech. And I think he still has that speech or at least, you know, I think he gave it to Villanova, but he was on the stage that day yeah. and, and being smart enough to walk over to Dr. King and say, Dr. King could have a copy of that speech. And Dr. King folds it up and hands it to him. That That's really a remarkable story. But J Coach Ravi's a remarkable human being. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that, um, he one, he's a basketball lifer. And two, like you said, with the movie, I'm not sure Michael gave his blessing because if there's anything I know about Michael in, in my years of, you know, kind of reading and reading between the lines, he does not give Sonny Vaccaro, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt, nor does he give him the credit for, you know, being the one that shepherded him to Nike. Um, in fact, I, I've seen Sonny before on the record. He's called Michael a liar. He's called Phil Knight a liar. You know what I mean? He's he's done all that. Um, but, but you know, when I did the five-star project and we talked to Coach Raveling, you know, he didn't take any credit for that, right? He, he kind of just try to defer to, to everybody else. But then when I talked to Hubie Brown, you know, who's the best and, and it's unbelievable. We can talk about how amazing it is to see Hubie call games at 89, but he just talked about, you know, Raveling was one of the first guys that saw Nike, the brand it could be, um, you know, working with those guys closely. And, and he had such an affinity for Michael and he saw Michael at five-star when he, when he was yeah. a, a junior in high school. So he saw him when he was a, a nobody from nowhere and Dean Smith was was trying to make sure he didn't go to five stars so that lefty Drizelle and all these other coaches wouldn't see him. Right. And, and George Raveling saw him there. Didn't view him as a commodity or anything like that. Just viewed him as a kid that he really liked. He loved his competitive nature. They stayed close to each other. Then they had the Olympic games. And, and I think that's when the Nike relationship really started, right? When they were, yeah. when they were at the Olympics with each other. Yeah. I mean, coach Rav is too humble to take credit for anything, but let me say right. this, he, he, you know, he did it and Michael knows it. And Michael being the person that he is, isn't going to let anybody get credit for something that doesn't deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, let's do some, some narrative talk before, okay. uh, you know, we get out of here as far as the NFL draft. I just wanted to, to, I know a lot of teams, this draft, there's been a lot of conversation. It, it reminds people of the 2013 draft. I like that parallel where, you know, maybe the talent is more back end than front end. There's not a lot of, we did the red chippers, blue chippers. There might be more yep. red chippers than blue chippers in this draft. But what do you think uh, overarching as we look at this draft and we get done with it, what is going to be the big story that comes out, the big narrative talk? What what is pe What are people going to be saying about the 2023 NFL draft? Uh, that we overvaluated the quarterbacks. Mm. That it, it wasn't a strong draft and that you're better off just taking a good player than worried about trying to hit a three-run homer. Right. You know, just, I'm, just get a base hit. Just get a base hit. I mean, that 13 draft, I, we picked Mingo at the fourth pick overall, and he didn't have enough power to – he had the speed to get around the corner, didn't have enough power to become an effective player. And there were not a lot of good players. I mean, Lance Johnson went ahead of us. That, that was not a good draft. I mean, we could have traded down, probably should have, and picked Desmond Trufant, who ended up being a good corner, not a great corner. And I think to me was every draft, you got to figure out what is a, where the elite talent is. And this draft, there's not a lot. I mean, Jalen Carter's an elite talent. He's going to go to some team and be, uh, assuming he can, his character's good, his off-the-field behavior, and he plays with consistency, he's going to be a dominant three technique. And I think Bryce Young will be really good. But other than that, I think a lot of these guys have a lot to prove. Yeah, I'm going to throw one narrative that I think comes out because I think this team's going to make a move. The Tennessee Titans, they get off Ryan Tannehill, 
They find a quarterback of the future. This is Mike Vrabel's squad of the future. Is there any world in which the, this narrative comes out that the Tennessee Titans are, are making a move? Or maybe they, they do the, we're done with Derrick Henry and we got Bajan Robinson and he is the new Derrick Henry. Is that, is that, yeah. are these some Titans talking points that could happen? I think they could be at the quarterback. Look, mm. Tannehill's on the paragraph. Tannehill's got $27 million tied up in paragraph five. And whenever you have a player with that much paragraph five, meaning his base salary, most teams that struggle with the cap will guarantee some portion of that to lower his cap number. The Titans didn't do that. What tells you they want to move on, they don't want to put any more money into Tannehill that they don't have to. They're willing to carry the high cap number so they don't have to affect future years. That's essentially what they're saying. So I, I think that narrative makes sense. Could it be Anthony Richardson? I don't know. They went through the Malik Willis experiment. I mean, that, that could be hard. Would it be Will Levis? I mean, again, this draft is the beauties in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about this guy's so good. How do they pass on him? That, that, if that starts to come out on, on Thursday night, mute the TV. Mute the TV. (laughs) All right, there you go. We're going to mute the TV. Here's another one for you. Um, And I think this is just inevitable because of the sell and the new ownership. But whoever the, I don't even know who the commanders are going to draft, but whoever they draft, it's going to be a quote unquote great draft for new ownership. They're excited about the new hall. Um, Do you see this happening where Washington is able to get some good PR out of this draft? I don't think they're going to get good PR out of any draft until it's officially (laughs) he's signed and gone. Right. You know, I mean, even the, the billionaire from Canada, I don't know his name, saying he's still in it. Like, don't don't think that the Washington football team has been sold until the ink is on the contract. Because mm. mm. this guy's got 10 lives. He could come back at any moment. I yeah, mean, he, and he doesn't want to leave either, Lombardi. He's the guy that, like, security is trying to usher him out of the party, and he's just trying to slip away. Uh, as yeah. soon as you look away, he's about to slide, and he's going to get right back in there. I mean, you know, you you feel like you're Kaiser Sose looking at that chart, looking at making up stories when, you know, and looking at the woman from Columbia and, you know, all that stuff that, that was in the in the police office. And you're wondering, like, is is this real or not? I think that's really what we're dealing with. Yeah, that's is uh, it's a mess. Um, and I, I kind of want Washington to be back and be a real franchise again, because when oh, I was why? a kid. I mean, you know, a lot of people, obviously the Panthers didn't come until 95. So a lot of people that were older than me, you know, they pulled for Washington. There were kids that pulled for the Cowboys, that rivalry, right? The NFC East, it was a lot of fun. Washington was a fun team to root for. It it has not been like that in quite some time. So uh, it really hasn't. I mean, they need it. I I, I grew up a Washington fan and I, I, the the NFL is a better, better world when they're good. I mean, why they're not going after Lamar has probably all to do with the fact that the ownership changed. Now, if Josh Harris gets it, maybe he'll make Elton Brown the GM and they'll start to make some of those trades. I don't know. I think Elton Brand could get it done. I'm just going to guess there. Uh, One other team I wanted to ask you about, and I I don't even know if it's a narrative about them, but I I just find them a little fascinating, especially at number four. That's the Indianapolis Colts. Um, There's been a lot of conversation. They love Will Levis. I don't know if you've heard this, Lombardi. And I feel like if I know that they love Will Levis, that that should be deemed a smokescreen. But what do you see the Colts doing? And is there a trade that's probably going to happen there? I think the Colts have to pick a quarterback. I don't know who it'll be. Do they love Will Levis? I'm like you. I don't know how you love anybody after Bryce Young. Like, I I could see you going on a date, but I don't know how you love somebody, right? (laughs) You like plenty of people, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, so, but they back themselves in a corner to where they have to pick it. I mean, I don't know if Paris Johnson's going to go before they pick, but I said this on my pod. If I were the Colts, I'd draft the left tackle and go sign Lamar. 
Mm. But, you know, I think that they backed themselves into a young quarterback and they got a young, they hired a young coach, which tells you really what you need to know, right? That who they are, they, they, it came down to Don Martindale, the defense coordinator of the Giants to Shane Steichen. And they went with, now, if they would have hired Martindale, I promise you, he'd have been pushing to get Lamar in there because he was with Lamar. Mm. So he was with them. Whereas now, you know, Steichen, are they going to be a six-back offense? Can Will Levis do it for him? I don't know. There's questions about all these quarterbacks. I don't know if there's an answer. Yeah, and there's always a questions about this guy, and I have to ask you about it because, one, I'm fascinated, uh, as we all are, because we're all fascinated by winners in this world that we live in. But obviously, Bill Belichick, someone that you work closely with, you know well. You mentioned going to the Georgia-Kentucky basketball game with him, and uh, I can ask you about your times in Chapel Hill at another date. But uh, <laughs> in general, what do you expect to see from uh, the Patriots this year? Is, is there something that Belichick has up his sleeve? Um, I, I saw some rumblings. Maybe they go after a quarterback. What, what do you uh, see from I, the I, Patriots? I think the Patriots are about, look, we got to get our quarterback to play better. And he played well as a rookie. We got to get him to play better. We got to do a better job of coaching. And we got to do a better job of not making mistakes. And look, you know, you could say how disastrous last year was, and it was on relative terms. But let's be honest. I mean, they give away a game in, in Las Vegas, they give away a game in Minnesota. You know, they have a chance. They give they, the Bears, the last time the Bears won was Monday night when they beat when they beat the Patriots and Justin Fields was the star of the show that day. So the, the, as far as people think they're away, they're not that far away. They, now it's a harder division, certainly with Aaron Rodgers coming, but my sense of knowing Bill, he's just going to try to stay and, and fix team, fix his team to the best of his ability, whether that means draft a corner, whether it means draft an offensive lineman, get a defensive tackle. I don't know, but I think that's what he's going to do. Yeah, I find that division, uh, obviously, with Rodgers coming even more fascinating, obviously, the AFC East. Um, you know, you got Josh Allen. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got Mac Jones, right? The redemption tour, trying to get back to what he looked like his rookie year. Maybe he finally gets a coordinator that can help him. I, I hope that that happens. Get rid of the pencil pusher um, and, and figure that out. But uh, another thing I saw that I thought was fascinating, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Tom Brady said he's got a lot of friends on the team, Lombardi. Is there any world in which Tom Brady says, all right, let me throw my hat into this ring. Now I can get rid of Rodgers. I can go after Belichick, and I can go after the new flavor of the day, the, the Buffalo Bills. Is there a chance Tom Brady says, let me get back on the saddle? Uh, I, it's interesting. I don't know if Tampa put him on the reserve retired list. He said he's free now, right? I think I think he said his rights are no team has his rights now. That's right. He was a free agent at the end of the year, so he is unrestricted. So he's not on any list. Lives in Miami. I mean, just say, and you don't want to wish this on anybody, but just say Tua can't go. I, 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 I would promise you that phone's going to ring. I'm not sure he's not going to answer it. I, if I'm him, I'm answering it. And I already have my terms. I, I'm like, yeah. I need, I need the minority ownership. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm willing to play 65% of the snaps. I also would like to pick my backup. Also call Gronkowski. Um, yeah. th there's a lot of demands I have on the list, but I think if he answers, that would be fun for the AFC. And East. I'll boat to practice. I'll take a boat up from from Billionaires <laughs> Island up to practice. I, right. I need, a, need a ship to go up there. Right, and send me my playbook in Atlantis, and uh, I'll see you in the I'll see you in the Bahamas. <laughs> I mean, I think that. <laughs> I, I I mean, look, nothing was. I, I didn't think he played where to the level where you said, "Oh, he can't play anymore." I don't think that ever happened. Mm -hmm. And I think he knows that too, which is. He, he's always, you know, with San Francisco, that's always a conversation point. But I think, uh, you know, obviously, no matter how much he loves, uh, you know, Joe Montana and, and that whole era, I think, you know, and I think it's, he had some family out there. But 
Miami seems like the lifestyle, and it, you know, and if you yeah, if his you kids are there too, Tate right. Frazier, so he's got visitation that he's got to adhere to, right? Mm. So you know, every two weeks he gets his kids. I mean, this is unfortunately the the cause and effect of divorce, and he wants to be a father, and he wants to spend time with his kids. So it's hard for him to be the Las Vegas quarterback when his when his kids are in Miami. So I think he sacrificed his career ended for his family at the end of the day, and which but, is. Yeah, but please. if Miami calls now, it's not so bad. We'll be home at night for dinner. Well, then you know somebody can pick him up from school. Yada yada yada. Yeah, and also, guess what? He knows that division, and yeah. you know he knows it so well. I mean, the funniest thing about Brady's career to me was that it always felt like Miami would give him a tough game, right? No matter the year, Miami could be, you know, they've won four games, but all of a sudden it would be a tough game at noon or at one o'clock in Miami for Brady. And there's always been those connections, right? They were they were trying to move parts and pieces for him uh, a couple years ago before he ended up going to Tampa. So uh, I he's always when I think about NFL football, I think about Tom Brady, and maybe that's my own problem, but uh, he he always comes back into my mind. So I had to ask you. I think that's. I mean, I mean, look, if I I would be nervous if I were a GM of the of Miami, believing the Tua could stay healthy. Mm. Not because I, I just feel, I mean, I feel badly the kids had that many co- concussions. Me too. And to wrap it back around to my original question about the number one pick, Bryce Young, is there any concern with, you know, obviously the the, the frame of Tua is something that's come into question with the hits he takes. Is there any concern looking at Tua that maybe Bryce Young could fall into that same sort of situation where his frame comes back to bite him? I mean, you're always concerned about some 350-pound man landing on a 185-pound man. I mean, you remember Buddy Ryan, I said this to you many times, there's some place of football for the little man. It's just not in front of the big man. <laughs> but, Bryce, but Bryce Young does a good job of staying away from the big man. Mm. He stays away from him, and he's going to have to. Yeah, like you said, he kind of is like a teacher with eyes in the back of his head, um, and that's that's what you hope that you have when you have a quarterback you know, that you're going to take with the number one pick. Um, Lombardi, one last thing before I let you get out of here. We used to do this bit, uh, who needs to go on the lamb? Um, you know, after the NFL draft is done, you know, we've had all, you know, all rounds, everything's completed. Uh, all the conversation is about how much we love our guys. What a great draft we had. Who is someone, if you had to forecast, who should go on the lamb at the end of the NFL draft this year? Team-wise or like, I, I Let, think. Let's say the, team-wise. We'll make it more open-ended so we don't do specific. I think it's going to, I think Jack, I think Tampa's going to have a hard time coming back. I think the Rams are going to have a hard time. Mm. They have no, they have very little draft picks. They, they have no salary cap. I think those two teams are in trouble. I really do. Uh, and I think it's going to be hard for those two teams to improve. You say, well, the Bucks have some – Bucks don't have a quarterback. I mean, we talk about, you know, Houston not having a quarterback. I mean, the Bucks have Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Anybody watch Baker play last year? I mean, seriously. Yeah. So I think the Bucks are going to struggle. I think it's – I think Todd Bowles is in a hard spot because the team around them isn't very good. And and the reason is because they gave up so much to win, which is all justifiable. Yeah. Right. But, Same thing with the Rams. They right. gave up so much to win. Now they got to pay the price. At some point, you're going to pay the price. I, but the narrative, but what's going to be the the lamb is going to be what we're going to hear about from now until forever is jet Super Bowl tickets and can you get two of them? <laughs> I think I think you're right about that. We got some Jets fans here in the building that are already fired up about their run. They're plus fourteen hundred right now to win the Super Bowl for anyone That'll out be, there. That that number will come down quickly. Mm. I mean, in fairness, like I think to me, the Jets defensively are as good as Buffalo. And if Rodgers plays anywhere near he did two years ago, 
why, why is Buffalo better than the Jets? Yeah, exactly. And obviously, you know, we saw some frustrations between Diggs and Allen at the end of last year. And, you know, you, there's always concerns about that. I, so there were some Hopkins rumors. And, I, you know, me personally, knowing the, the receivers and how they act to things, I can't imagine having Diggs as a number one guy, then bringing in Hopkins, who you and I both know is a number one guy, the way that he views himself. So you bring yeah. in two alpha dogs and you're expecting them to get along and, and not well, have but, any issues. I think they could put Hopkins in the slot and give them a slot receiver, which would really help them. When they were good two years ago, McKenzie was doing that for them. And remember Cole Beasley Cole two Beasley. years ago. Yeah. You know, had a, so to me, that makes a lot of sense that if they were to trade for Hopkins, because they could put him in the slot and that would take a lot of pressure off Diggs on the outside. Yeah. And uh, to, to re- final point here, um, we look and look ahead to 2024. We got Caleb Williams. We got Drake May. To me, based on what we're saying right now, if you're Tampa Bay, if you're the Los Angeles Rams, you say, hey, maybe we're okay to be really bad next year and and we might win the sweepstakes and get Caleb Williams and Drake May. And we suffered, right? We won our Super Bowls. We suffered. We tanked, whatever you want to call it. And then we got two franchise guys on the other end. I think it's a smart play. I really do. Because at the end of the day, I like the Seattle. I think Seattle knows this. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle traded away from five to get a pick next year. Mm. Because that's the legitimate quarterback class, not this one. Michael Penix from Washington could be in this conversation next year. He would be, if he has a great year, like he did at Indiana a couple of years ago, he didn't at Indiana his senior year. But if he has a year like he did last year for Washington, watch out. Yeah, there's gonna and uh, we've seen Washington quarterbacks get jumped up. I mean, I remember Jake Locker was, you know, the the predicted number one pick for like two straight yeah. drafts in the preseason, right? So, uh, you know, you know how it goes, right? I mean, that that propaganda can come out of the West Coast pretty quickly. No question, it's all propaganda, my man. It's all propaganda. <laughs> we saw it, Jared Goff, number one pick. I saw it. <laughs> That's right. He's great pick. You know, everybody loves it. Yeah, it all worked out. Well, there you go. He is Michael Lombardi. You can find him find him on GM Shuffle. You can find him on Vsin. Uh, he is the best, Lombardi. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I feel prepared for the draft, and uh, I, I hope so. you, I hope you have some downtime when back. this ends. I want to come back as the Sixers go through this Boston series. I need to revisit this conversation with you. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked your. your humility with this team. I like that you said no chance and uh, maybe just because we're all the way out and nobody thinks they can do it, this might be the year. So we're going to have you back on. We'll talk about the Sixers. Again, he's Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, thanks so much. Thanks, Dave Frazier. All right. There you have it. Michael Lombardi. I, uh, you got you got some Patriots talking there, right? I did. You, Cousin you Kyle did. again. Him and I have really come a long way since he yelled at me over the phone. Right. It wasn't even me, actually. He yelled at a different guy who was on the phone. <laughs> and he was like, he well, Jesus fucking Christ, Kyle, if it's going to be this complicated, I just won't do it. <laughs> and the other guy who was way senior above me was just like, all right, thanks, Mike, and hung up the phone and I don't know. I feel we just come such a long way since then. So Wasn't that, was that uh that was about like a like a food podcast? It was House of Carbs. It was uh, um, House of Carbs. <laughs> it's like trying to book the show with some like uh, senior person <laughs> over me, and he was just like, "We're talking about uh, diners or something." And he's like, yeah. "Yeah." So, what specifically do you think you're gonna do? And he's like. God damn it, Kyle. It's Jersey Diners. There's not much else to know. If you need me to have something else, I just won't do the fucking show, Kyle. And the other guy was just like, uh, all right, great. Thanks. Bye. And I, uh, I was like, like oh, well. I'm just yeah. out uh, with Michael Lombardi forever. And I think we've come a long way. So. We we have come that a long way. That wasn't me, Mike. That was a different guy. Yeah. Hopefully one day he calls you producer, Kyle. That's uh, <laughs> that's what we're hoping for. We hope just happy it- he's not fucking Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Man, he's the best. Yeah. Uh, he, he is uh, obviously on Pat McAfee's show. Um, he's always great on there. But Lombardi... In a world where everyone wants to be right, 
Lombardi is not afraid to speak the truth. You know what I mean? And sometimes the truth isn't right, but it's the truth. <laughs> and uh, and I appreciate that he, he shoots from the hip and lets us know what's going on. So he's the best. Thanks so much to Lombardi. Um, we don't have much left on the show. We did college ba- college basketball talk at the top. We had a little college basketball talk with Lombardi. I guess basketball talk in general. We talked about the NFL draft. Sixers. Sixers. There you go. We were all locked in. I have one shout out. I want to shout out to Trey Young because uh, <laughs> I have seen this man has gotten slandered unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, I watched Trey Young in college basketball at Oklahoma. I watched him lead the country in points and assists. I I was in awe of how he did it. Small guards aren't supposed to be able to control the game like he does. The only small guard that's ever been able to do it at a high level, at a championship level in the NBA is one man. His name is Isaiah Thomas. And not that Isaiah Thomas, right? It is the original Isaiah Thomas from the Pistons. Um, And to be honest with you, in the 2021 playoffs, when Trey Young, you know, first he, he kills the New York Knicks, then he goes and kills Ben Simmons' career. Then he goes and, and plays Giannis in the Bucks, And, I mean, he gave him a series. They go to six games. I said to myself, this guy looks like a playoff player. He looks like he's made for the moment. Um, I'm excited to see what the future looks like for Trey Young. And then if you just tuned out from that point and you inserted yourself back into the discourse this season, this season, <laughs> the ringer.com, <even>. right? You <laughs> would think that Trey young is a bust, uh, that Trey young is a scrub that Trey young should go to China. That's what people <laughs> were saying. They wanted to get this man so far out of their face that I, I was in shock, but also Kyle, I'm not an expert on the NBA. You know what I mean? I, I like to think I know things, but I wouldn't, I'm not a know-it-all. I'm a, I'm a know-nothing, and sometimes I know something, right? That's I like to live in that world. But I do know something about Trey Young, and that's he's a good basketball player, and he's going to figure it out. And uh, And he is one of the ones that has had my attention since he was at Oklahoma. His size is fascinating. He's very unique. And the real knock on him is that he takes, like, ridiculous shots, right? And people say, well, he's not Steph Curry. Well, he's pretty damn close sometimes, especially if you watch the Boston game, game five in Boston, no DeJounte Murray. He gets suspended for the game. He says, speaking of hilarious, DeJounte Murray, who got in the the face of a referee and basically almost headbutted him like Zinedine Zidane, said that he is being framed and and that there's an agenda against him. Um, Okay, but Trey Young, Trey Young also told okay. him, yeah, Trey Young told him before the game that they would be back in Atlanta. And then he hit an amazing shot with 1.8 seconds to go against the Celtics. Big three ends up winning the game. And to be honest with you, it was on a really creative decision that by all accounts was, I mean, I thought it was a pretty progressive move. He, he basically fakes like he's going to put the ball back on the ground and dribble, but then he just pulls it in and pops it and shoots it before Jalen Brown can close out. It was reminiscent of Dame Lillard against Paul George when he hit that sidestep three where you're just like, this is not a good shot. Oh my God, what a shot, right? And to have Gus Johnson on the call. Ah, the um, best. Right, the best. I mean, you got Greg Anthony, Gus Johnson. Front of the program, jo- Gus Johnson. Right. Well. We're gonna have we're gonna have Gus Johnson on. Maybe Greg Anthony, because Cole Anthony, his son, is a friend of the program. So maybe we we work the we work the lines there, do a little father-son. Maybe we do a segment called Parental Advisory, and we have the dad and the son, and they just talk about Maybe I'll start writing these down. I've, we've so many segments I, I, that have just I, gone in is, one ear and out the other. I throw segments at Kyle all day, every day, and we do none of them. Um, <laughs> that's the beauty of this show, and maybe that's that. Maybe that's the bit. Um, <laughs> we just keep doing that. Uh, oh, but Trey Young, the, look, the, the big shout out here is Trey Young. I'm happy for him. I felt like people were were really dogging him. I understand. 
there's the Luca connection, but I think if anything, it's pretty cool that him and Luca have both made conference finals, um, both of them separately, independently, different years with their own agenda, with their own teams. And I don't think their franchises have done, you know, the favors for them necessarily. I'm not sure Jason Kidd is the answer, but I like Kidd as a coach. I'm not sure he is just with Luca. They've had their own issues. Trey obviously had his issues uh, with Nate McMillan. Um, there was a lot of drama in the middle of the season. Now he's got Quinn Snyder. I think Quinn Snyder is a great fit for him. They kind of have that villain look to them, right? They look like villains. Um, and not all, not everybody can be a superhero, right? Like Metro Boomin taught us that we're, 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 we're superheroes until we're villains. And Trey Young said, skip the superhero part. I'm a villain. I'm ice Trey. Heels get farther anyway. Yeah. Heels get farther. And, and, and speaking of heels, shout out to LeBron James, uh, for, for calling out a fake heel. Cause Dylan Brooks is a fake heel. Definitely. He's not a, he's not a real heel. And, and I'm not talking about tar heels. I, I'm talking about heels in the world of basketball he said that he has no respect for LeBron. Erroneous. In the words of Vince Vaughn, <laughs> erroneous on all counts. Um, you do have respect for LeBron James. You know you do. Of course you do. You probably He's probably your favorite player. But you say all this stuff, and I'm okay with it, Kyle. I'm okay with it if it's heel talk, right? If it's just, I'm just, it's playoffs. I say what I want. It's kind of like Vernon Maxwell used to do this all the time. And you're like, is Vernon Maxwell crazy? It's like, no. Draymond he's Green. He's got a plan. He's, he's got, got a he's plan. Got a plan. <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to put doubt in your mind. He's trying to intimidate you. Whatever the whatever it is, he has a plan. And that's why he's saying this. Dylan Brooks, I thought he had a plan, but to avoid the media and back-to-back games after losing, after you said all that nonsense, Ugh. that's not heel behavior. No. That's not villain behavior. That's cowardice. And I think Dylan Brooks is a good basketball player. I think a lot of people are saying that he's not. They're they're going too they're going too far the other way. Chill with the pendulum swings, but in general, if you're going to be a heel, be a heel, be a villain. I appreciate Trey Young for leaning into that. I think he's in a good situation. I think the Celtics are going to win Game Six. Now, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and act like Trey Young is going to take this back to Boston and win this series. I don't think that's going to happen. But it was a good moment, and in a world where people want to trade the guy, we've got thoughts. People want to people want to trade the guy, Kevin O'Connor, our guy. I love KOC. He's like. Get this man out of my face. <laughs> really? And I'm like, KOC, what? But also, I like the take. I mean, I, I'm a, in a world of takes, I'm like, we need something. We need something to fire it up. So here's my take. Trey Young's a good basketball player. All this stuff's a little blown out of proportion. I think that the Atlanta Hawks are going to be better moving forward with Trey Young, especially after this series. So that's my big shout out of the day. I, I liked what you said, though, when we were um, at lunch earlier, like, just... Fine, you want to get rid of him? Give him to Oklahoma. He'll be the king of the entire right, state. Right. If 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 you're the Hawks front office and you say to yourself, "All right, Trey Young's not our guy, but he's got something." You call Oklahoma City, you say, "We will give you Trey Young and four first-round picks for Shea Gojus Alexander." They probably still don't take the deal. They're picked drunk over there still. Maybe they're like, "God, we need more picks." Right. We need more <laughs> picks and like Chet Holmgren's actually friends with Trey Young. We didn't even know that. They just like are they're the disgusting brothers. They just hang out <laughs> with each other. And uh and who knows? But yeah, Trey Young is loved in Oklahoma. Um I think he would be great there if Atlanta doesn't work out. But I I'm not done with the Atlanta experience or experiment, whatever you want to call it. I think Trey Young's a good basketball player. I just had to say that, Kyle. I, I feel like I'm on an island right now. I'm glad because we used to make a little bit fun of him, but it was right. all good fun. We felt like we were 
on his team back in, you know, back in the OSP days. And yeah, when you parachute back to to the ringer, even just the ringer, I mean, but I mean, everywhere, it's just uh, people are ready for him to pack his bags and they got his flight picked out. And Yeah. One thing I forgot about the ringer too is like, I don't know if it comes from the top, but I'm not on the email chain, but sometimes like there are things that like everyone agrees upon and I, and I'm just like, what? Like, did I not get the memo? <laughs> Checking your spam. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, did I not get this email? Are we supposed to be doing this? Um, but I, I like Trey Young's game. I think he's going to be great. And uh, two quick shout-outs, playoff-related. Shout-out to Devin Booker. Um, this guy is on a tear right now, and I know we don't want to talk about the Phoenix Suns because they're a quote-unquote super team, yada, 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 whatever. Devin Booker and Jimmy Butler is the other shout-out. The two of those guys, they're American basketball players. They're college basketball players. Shout out to Marquette. Shout out to Kentucky. I appreciate both of them. They're competing. They're, they're game scores. Like if you're a game score guy, you go to basketball reference. They're doing historic levels in these series so far. I don't know what's going to happen. I could totally see Giannis winning the next three games and, and winning the series because that's what he does. But what Jimmy Butler and Devin Booker, Devin Booker have done so far, they deserve your attention. We need to stop talking about injuries. Talk about the basketball. Talk about those two guys. Even talk about Trey Young. Um, that that's me off my soapbox, but they they've been great to watch, and and I think that they're both very likable. I know some people don't like Devin Booker, but he doesn't date Kendall Jenner anymore. Okay, update. Hello, he's over it. He's doing Nike ads. Serious things. Serious yeah, things. Yeah, he's doing Nike ads that he's creative directing now. Like the, the guy's cool. Devin Booker, cool guy. Jimmy Butler, cool guy. Also, maybe an asshole to his teammates, <laughs> but we kind of love it. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's kind of almost Michael Jordan esque. Um, and then. Lastly, Anthony Edwards, another American college basketball player I love. Um, I know he didn't hit the shot, but guess what? He took the shot. He wanted to take the shot. He thought he made the shot. That's why he was so upset because he was like, damn, I thought I sent this to overtime. I like the T-Wolves with Anthony Edwards. He's a he's a face of the franchise type guy. Um, I'm always worried about American basketball. Those three guys give me hope. That's my final shout-out. Shout-out to American Basketball. Kyle, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, three shout-outs, I guess. Shout-out to the AFC East. I wish it, uh, you knew uh, when you were in the good times, when you were in the good times, because it's going to be Bra- tough sledding Tom for Tom Brady's boy. coming back. <laughs> if there's anything that Lombardi told me today is that Tom Brady's coming <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, if you, I don't know what part of the video is going to get used, but if you could see it in his eyes, it was probably the happiest he had been. Oh. Big smile, eyebrows raised. Right. He's into it. He's so. like, good question, Tate. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to the AMC East. Shout out to Jury Duty, not the act, the show. I don't know if anybody's seen it. It's really Ooh. good. It's on Freebie, which leads into my last shout out, which is basically Amazon, because Judge Judy, the GOAT yes. of judges, Judge Judy on Freebie is going to be come. I have this on uh, pretty good authority from somebody who's on the inside that uh, I know at Frolic Room that um, it's Judge Judy, which has been on Freebie, which was IMDb TV, Amazon, basically, is going to be the first show to come from streaming into being syndicated instead of the other way around. I just think we should shout out what an amazing feat that is for the GOAT of Judges, Judge Judy. And you know what's cool about Judge Judy? One of my friends went on Judge Judy, and uh, she was from Mississippi, and the and the the situation or whatever was in Mississippi. The cool part about Judge Judy, and I, I didn't know this until she told me this, she has to know the laws and the of statutes Miss- <laughs> of the county yeah. of every, like, so she actually knows more law and statutes of different states. She's like, actually, it's county. not illegal to shoot a dog in Mississippi right. if you're on the other side of the sidewalk right. so <laughs> and when you're a dumb like me when i'm a dumb kid watching judge judy i think like all the laws are the same you know so no, no. I, but she has to specifically know the precedents that have been set in that county the decisions that have been made by the judges like judge judy's going to work yeah son. She like works. she's going to work so if, if you don't respect judge judy 
you're wrong and uh, stop watching Dr. Phil. You know what I mean? Change that <laughs> channel because Judge Judy's got the juice. Um, shout out to her. I love that. that. That's a great way to end the show, man, because yeah. that is a great show. Judge Judy, if you have some time in between the next show, go do that. The NFL draft is on Thursday. The show Through the Ringer is on tomorrow, which is now today. So it's Thursday. Go watch it. Fun how we do that. Right. Well, it's on It's on the Spotify app. Yeah, you can yeah. go watch the full show. In fact, the FanDuel version of the show is actually a shortened version of the full version. So you can go watch that. You can, if you want real NFL draft, you know, inside outside of me and Lombardi Riffin, you can go check that out. But again, this is One Shining Podcast. We will be back on Monday with Kyle Mann. And that show will be coming out earlier than it has been because Kyle Mann and I, we changed the times. We're, we're going to update this. We're going to make it earlier. We're going to get it out to the people. So there you go. One Shining Podcast. The Appreciate everyone listening, and we will see you on Monday.